0: Can you give me an amen? Amen. All right, man, I had to ask first service like three times just to get to that level because I'm about ready to share the word of God, and I need a little bit of excitement. You know how I preach. I just need you to kind of track along with me. We're in the book of Obadiah, and I apologize for my uh, typo here. It's not Amos. I always grab the, the header, copy it over to my new notes, but I forgot to change Amos. The title is right, though, The Pride of Your Heart. We're going to be talking about uh, the book of Obadiah, which was one chapter, 21 verses, I hope that you all had a chance to read that um, and got yourself familiar with the content that we're going to be talking about today, because uh, it's real important. This subject, I told the team, I said, I know, we have, I know that we have um, uh, testimonies from camps and, and all those kind of things going on today. Uh, this sermon can be preached in 15 minutes or in 15 different sermons, <laughs> because it is a topic of Controversy if you will, and it's an important topic for the, for the church to talk about, and it's the topic of pride. It's entitled The Pride of Your Heart. and We don't really know a lot about Obadiah. Uh, there are 12 other people in the Old Testament named Obadiah. We're not real sure if any of them are the same one that wrote this book in particular. There's a couple that we think maybe a couple of other Obadiahs that, that maybe could fit the description as you read through the text. Uh, that this could be the same guy, but all we really know for sure is the meaning of his name, and it means the servant or worshiper of the Lord, or Yahweh, and that's what his name means, servant of the Lord, and just like the book of Joel, uh, there's not a lot of content in here to kind of give us a specific time frame of when he preached or when he uh, wrote the book, uh, but we believe, scholars believe, I say we like I'm a scholar, <laughs> uh, yes, we believe that it was around 845 B.C. Thank you very much. No, they think that, so I'm going to buy in with it. Amen? Uh, but they think that it was probably written right around that time frame. And he preached primarily to the southern kingdom of Judah, specifically to the people of Edom. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit. But his message was for all the nation. His message is for us in this room today. Amen? So let me pray, because... I don't want to, I'm not here to step on anybody's toes. I just want to bring a little light onto a dark subject. So if pride is an issue that maybe is in your heart, I hope that the Lord would shed that on you, on you today and that you would be able to remove that from your life because it's evil, evil, evil. But Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the study that you put in our hearts to, to walk through the minor prophets. There's so much to learn in, such, in these such little books. And today I pray one more time that you would anoint my lips. I want to speak what the Holy Spirit would have me say today. Lord, I want to speak to the areas of our hearts today that uh, we have hidden from ourselves and from the world that you see. If there's areas of pride in any one of us, and I stand included in that prayer, please remove it from us, reveal it to us, and remove it from us. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Obadiah 1, verse 1, I'm going to read a portion of that. And then we'll come back to this again. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Since most of the prophecy deals with the nation of Edom, I thought it would be a good idea to kind of give you some background on what Edom is. Because many people don't know. The country of Edom was established by Jacob's brother Esau. Okay? That's where the name came from. You remember Esau and Jacob, they were fraternal twins. In Genesis 25, we read that they came out, they were wrestling in their mother's womb, and, and Sarah's like, hey, what's going on in there? And, and talking to the Lord. And the Lord said, hey, uh, there's two nations being birthed, and they're never going to really get along, so they're bickering it out already. And they still are today, family, 3,000 years later. They're still bickering it out today. So Esau and Jacob, they're born. You remember Jacob was named Israel? Which is still established, which is God's chosen people who are loved. The place I just got to visit in January—that's where Jacob, or that's where uh, Israel came from, was from. Jacob, Esau, and Edom—they come from the same Hebrew word meaning red. Esau came out red-skinned, hairy, and red-headed. I know, right? I got a buddy of mine from Victorville. His name's Frank an Italian guy. Hairiest guy I know. I always call him Esau when I see him. He's not red-headed. He's dark-headed. But here, here it is right here. It says in Genesis 25, verse 30, this is where the name came from. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. So after years and years of fighting, bickering against one another, you guys remember that, that Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. Some people try to say he stole it. No, all he did was ask him, hey, why don't you sell that to me?" And he's really quick to give it away. Matter of fact, the last verse in, in Genesis 25 says that he despised his birthright. So he willingly gave that thing away to Jacob, and Jacob was blessed for it, and so are we today, amen? So today, those, the, the area of Edom is what we consider in Jordan. It's in the mountain ranges of Jordan. And you'll hear when you read in your Bible about Seir, Mount Seir and Mount Esau, these are all the same area that we're talking about. So when you read those, remember this message today about Edom, okay? Okay, thank you, Pastor Stu. Pastor Stu will remember that. He's got the brain for that too, right? The rest of us are like, huh? <laughs> What'd you say? but Edom was plagued with pride and Obadiah was sent to open up their eyes to the sin that they had in their life. So with that background in mind, I want to talk to you today a little bit about the dangers of pride. It is a subject that we need to talk about. It is something, uh, I like to say, pride is a slippery slope. Pride is a slippery slope. so the definition by Webster. It just says pride is a feeling that you deserve to be respected by other people. So if you're somebody who feels like you need to be respected by other people, uh, there's a little bit of pride already. You've got to be careful. We do, res- we do deserve to be respected, but we don't demand respect. It's also a feeling that you're more important or better than other people. So in the Bible, pride is mentioned 46 times. The word proud is in the Bible another 47 times, and the word haughty another 10 times. So 103 occasions for the type of pride that I'm talking about today, and none of them are good. They all have to do with sin and evil, 103 times. And this whole chapter in Obadiah is all about pride when you boil it down. Someone once said this, Pride is the only disease known to man to make that, that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. Why is pride dangerous? Let's talk this through. Number one, pride is deceptive. It is a slippery slope. I'm going to read, we're going to read the entire book of Obadiah today, all 21 verses. But right now, I want to read to you the first nine verses. Obadiah 1, the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, let us go up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. Listen, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose inhabitation is high, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. If thieves have come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how will you be cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, not vine people, grape gatherers had come to you, would they have not have left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy, confederacy, I had a hard time with saying that first service, shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O ten men, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Listen, Edom had some serious issues with pride going on here. Number one, they, they, letter A, however you want to do it, they had a, a, a serious, false sense of security. The Bible says in verses 3 and 4 that they were living in mountains. These mountains were like fortified fortresses. They were practically impenetrable. And there's many people I know that, that think that they can't touch this, that they're untouchable, that they have it all together. They're all that and a bag of chips. And that's what the people of Edom are thinking. Hey, man, we're up here. We, no one can touch us. We're just going to live forever and eat off the fruit of the land, and we're going to take it from anybody we want to. The Edomites, they lived at this false sense of security. Listen to this. To trust in your ability to the point of excluding God is spiritual suicide. When you trust in yourself and you feel like, I don't need God, you are committing spiritual suicide. It's the quickest way to walk away from God, I believe, is pride. Another, another false pride that they had was about their material or financial security. Verses 5 and 6, really, they just say, they, here's what they say. All the wealth of Edom is going to be taken away. All the stuff that you have will be taken away from you. Thieves take what they want, he says, but when God's judgment falls, everything's going to be removed. I don't know how you came to Christ, but I had lost everything. I was bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, financially, personally. I was alone. I was cast out. I was demoralized. I was demonized. And that's when God came into my life. You know that God will allow you to hit some deep bottoms if you wrestle with him. I choose to just be aware today. As low as I went in my heyday, there ain't much left but death. You know what I'm saying, Pastor Stu? Another problem they had was I was trying to keep a bunch of f-words in there, and it, it just didn't work after this one. But favored connections—they had, they had people that they just could think they, they thought they could count on. These people, well, we don't have to worry about it. If we do get into a scuff, we've got warriors and mighty men that will take 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 everything and just. Deal with it. You know what's worse than losing your material possessions? Losing your friends. Listen, pride is a lonely hill to climb. The further up the hill of pride you climb, the lonelier it gets. And by the time you're at the top of the hill, you turn around and you're all alone. You may have gained the whole world. What's the Bible say about that? But lose your soul. Eden was left standing all alone. There comes a time in a person's life who wrestles with the issue of pride that you'll find yourself weathering a storm alone, and that's a scary place to be. And if you feel like you're alone today, ask yourself the question, where are my loved ones? Where are the people that surround me? I'll say this to you. We're right here. We're right here. Sometimes people have a tendency to push others away. And I say embrace us. Amen? Embrace us. Another problem with pride that they had is in their own wisdom. The Edomites were known for their wisdom. Really, that's kind of what their mantra was. They were very wise people. In this case, they were stuck on stupid. But they were wise people. That's what they were known for. That's what they were famous for. And the loss of wisdom would be part of the complete destruction. Do you know that that as you walk and climb the hill of pride, there are character traits that are in your life that God has been using to get you ahead in life that begin to just fall away? Your wisdom. I remember. I remember as a kid, I wanted to be a cop or a fireman or something cool with a badge and a gun. You know, either a gun or a fire hose. You know what I'm saying? Come on, come on, guys. Am I the only guy in the room that wanted to be a cop as a kid? Uh, me and Joe. Right on. Yeah, I, know. I know better. You're too prideful to admit it. No. Right. But then as I grew up and I started thinking, well, I like drugs more, I like this lifestyle more, that wisdom, see the things that were important that were, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but the things that were moral, I'm not talking about our world right now. The things that were moral in my life that I strive to be, I mean, There's nothing more moral than wanting to be a cop or a fireman, a public servant in my eyes. And then all of a sudden, all I wanted to do was find my next high. My wisdom. Their wisdom was gone. Another thing that they were prideful about is their own strength. They thought they were bad. They thought they were all that and a bag of chips. You know, deliverance in the Old Testament was usually done by the warriors, right? The mighty men of valor. We read about that in verse 9. Edom's warriors said that they would be cut off in the slaughter. Oh, man. Listen, pride's greatest enemy is not man, but God. God hates pride. He hates it when pride rises up in our hearts. He sends warning signals into our life. He tries to say, hey, if you like something too much, it's probably not good for you. (laughs) Come on, fleshly people. If you like something too much, it's probably not good for you. Uh, Okay, number two. Pride is destructive. It's destructive. It's deceitful and it's destructive. Look at verses 10 through 14. Pastor Stu, would you stand and read that for us? Can you read that text? Okay.
1: For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the city that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. But you should not have gazed on that day of your brother in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut, cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress.
0: Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We see really beginning before that, verse 5, all the way through 14, we see the, the complete annihilation, destruction of Edom. It's because of the false sense of security and the, proud of their, the pride of their heart that, that they, weren't, they weren't ashamed to turn against their brothers and sisters. They weren't ashamed to go up. We're talking about Jacob and Esau. They were brothers. And they, yet they let a family feud, they let pride separate them And completely destroy one nation. Pride does that in the life of a Christian. Pride does that in the life of a person. Pride is the ground in which all other sins grow. One theologian said. Here's a checklist. The Bible says they stood back. They just kind of stood by. Verses 10 and 11 talks about how they carried off Jacob's wealth and the foreigners entered into the city and the gates and they cast lots and the Edomites stood back and they refused to help. Their brother was in need and they stood back and they just refused to help. It was a whole other army coming against them. Actually, it was the Edomites' enemy coming against Judah and they stood back and said, I'm not going to touch that. Let's watch them fall. They just stood back. We talked about apathy a couple of weeks ago. How it's how it's the opposite of love. It's worse than hate. Being apathetic. Eh, we'll let them suffer. Obadiah said, even you were as one of them. You don't want to hear that from the Lord. Verses 12 and 14, there's, there's these eight statements about the specific charges that Edom was going to be punished for, and, and you can go back and, and look at those again. But number letter B, they just enjoyed the pain of others. Man, when you get a kick out of watching somebody else get hurt, you know those videos on Facebook showing somebody getting pummeled? I don't even turn those on. If I start one and I see it, I turn it. It just doesn't do any joy to my heart. We love watching people get pummeled. No, why? Why would you want to see another person get the daylights beat out of them? How do you find joy in that? Somewhere I think there's pride in there. Because it happened to me when I was a kid. I just want to see it happen to somebody else. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I have a hard time even with, like, boxing and uh, martial arts, the MMA. Gosh, that stuff is like, uh, 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 I don't want to be getting beat down like that. It's kind of fun to watch, huh? It almost grieves my heart, too, though. And I know it's a sport. I know it's a sport. There is a difference, right? Is there? Gaining from the loss of others. Verse 13 talked about that. You shouldn't have laid your hands on their substance, Obadiah said. Don't be touching their stuff. Yet you did. Letter D, they let others pay for their own mistakes. Look at, they were capturing the fugitives, they were imprisoning them, they were enslaving them, they were selling them to the Babylonians and into slavery themselves. Pride destroys our sense of sympathy, compassion, respect, and concern for others. It destroys it. So, what's going to happen to the proud? Here's the last point. I'm trying to get you out of here in a relatively decent time. It'll be punished. Pride. Pride will be punished. Verses 15 through 21. I'll read it. I'll try. There's some big words in here. I should have gave you this one. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on the holy mountain, so shall the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. But on Mount Zion, listen, segue real quickly, verse 17 and 21. They're, they're really. This is the prophetic word about the coming of Christ. Okay, I'm not going to get into that today, but look it up. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall Kindle them and devour them, and no survival shall remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. The south sh- shall possess the mountains of Esau, and the lowlands shall possess Philistia. They shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captives of this host and the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. The captives of Jerusalem who are in the Sherephad, Sephirad, Sephirad, there you go, shall possess the cities of the south. Then the Savior shall come to the mountain Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Listen, the prophet said in verse 15 to the proud, he says, As you have done, and it shall be done to you, your reprisal shall return upon your. The laws of sowing and reaping were in effect way back yonder. Amen? Yes, I said yonder. And they still are in effect today. We sow what we reap. If we have a proud spirit, we will be under the judgment of God. There, There are certain things. God wants to get your attention. He loves you enough to wake you up. If he didn't care, he would just let you stay prideful and end up in hell. But he cares enough to to wake you up, to shake you up, to tell you about it, to to let you be aware of what's going on in your life. I can't talk, Mike. I need a high five for my brother. Boom, the Edomites. See, look at that. That's all I needed. They shouted, who can bring me down? What did God say? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll level the field. Pride can bring you down to the ground. God will cause you to realize that he alone will be exalted. Listen, in closing, look at that. I did good. There's four things I want, I want to help you with real quick. These are quick, I promise. Four things that will help keep you from pride. Four things that you need to watch out for. Number one, watch out because the devil is out to exploit your sincere success and use it against you. Listen. You can be successful. This is not a message about don't be successful because that's prideful. No, be successful. Be all that God's called you to be. Make money, make lots of it, give it to the church. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Do do well. Be a a CEO. Be a a BEO. Be a OOO. I don't know. But be something. It's okay. Just don't let God or the enemy exploit that and use it against you. Be on guard. Number two, wait for the Lord to exalt you. He will exalt you in due time. You know, somebody asked me the other day, Pastor Tiny, "Aren't you upset that Pastor Tiny's getting the limelight?" I said, "Are you kidding me? I am so glad that Pastor Tiny is getting this. Pastor Tiny deserves the spotlight. He doesn't like me saying he's the saint of the east side, but I'll tell you what: if they're going to nickname the guy, I'm going to let him. But he's the humblest man I think I know. I'm not upset. I had my day, and you want to know? You want to know the truth? One of the one of the one of the deciding factors that made it real easy for me to decide to leave Victorville and come to come to, California, or come to Nevada to pastor this church was the fact that I had so much fame in Victorville. It was in the paper hundreds of times, literally at least twice a month. We couldn't go anywhere. People would come up to our table while we we're eating. Aren't you the director of the Victor Valley Rescue Mission? And, you know, I, I want people like Pastor Tiny to be seen. I, I want people like Pastor Stu to be seen. I want people like Mike and Jackie. Listen, can I make a real a real clear statement? The reason that this church is successful is not because of me or Pastor Kerry. It's because of people like this. That God has brought here, that are taking up the leadership reins and answering the call. I'm just a cheerleader. My pastor used to say, "All I am is a hired mouth, and that's all I am." <laughs> I could preach okay. My greatest gifting is to be a cheerleader and to release people into what I see God calling them, and then I'd be like, "Okay, go," because I don't know how to do that. You're on your own now. Hallelujah. <laughs> ask him. Ask him. They'd be coming to me for advice. I'd be like. Oh no! Never done it before. Praise God. First Peter 5:6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Number three: If you want to boast, boast on what God's done. If you just need to boast about something, boast about what God's. People used to come to me. You're an angel. If you know what I was thinking right now, you change your mind right now. <laughs> and I'd say, no, I'm not an angel. Jesus is doing it. Jesus Christ is doing it. Jesus is, I don't have a clue. I didn't know for eight years what I was doing as an as a, as a executive director of a rescue mission. I haven't known for 20 years what I'm doing as a pastor. I don't know. Psalm 34, verse 2, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. 1 Corinthians 1, 31, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Finally, our success are not our rewards. They're our responsibility. Listen, when you become successful, it's not a reward. Oh, no, it becomes your responsibility to steward the success that God gives you. Amen? Amen. Don't make success your master. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen? Amen. Uh, listen, I'm the first one to stand up here and say pride is something that I have to always be on. That's what Satan was trying to do in Victorville. He's trying to trying to let me Oh, look at what you're able to do. Hallelujah, you're so good. Good thing Satan knows that I'm just like feel like I don't have a clue. But pride something we should all be on guard for. And it is deceptive. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, it's not me, Pastor. It's not me. Listen, if you are not aware, mindful of pride in your life, you I, I said this statement for service, and I'll say it again, we all struggle with it to some degree or another. And if you're sitting there right now saying, not me, then I will say, all oh, right now, you have an issue with pride. Because the last time I pinched myself, I'm still flesh. And so, my goal this morning was just to create an awareness. And let us understand look, at, we don't gloat over when others are hurting, we can't be happy about when somebody else falls, even if they're evil. Listen, God created all men and women in his image. Don't gloat over that. Mourn over that. Weep over that. Let it break your heart. Our prayer today should be, God, break my heart for the things that break yours. If you'd pray that with me, would you stand as we close? That's a bold statement, Lord. The impact of praying like that will change my life. I'm ready to be changed, God. The impact for that would would mean that I will have to weep with those who weep. The impact of that means that I'll have to love a people group that I don't understand. That I'll have to be patient. Oh, there's that word. Tolerant. Not tolerance, but tolerant. Patient with people. So if you're bold enough to pray that with me, just lift your hands and say, Lord, break my heart for the things that break yours. Let it be, Lord. And God, today, if there's anything in our hearts this morning that is prideful, even false pride where we try to be so humble that it's phony, if there's anything, any wicked way in us, Lord, remove it. We just want to be servants of the Most High. We want to be free to be all that you've called us to be. We want to be lifted up in your time, not our time. We want to be lifted up for the kingdom of heaven, not for our own gain. Let it be, Lord, that our hearts would break for the things that break yours. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.